Welcome to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast here on the West Virginia Soccer Association Digital Network. My name is Marcus Cole. Now, before we begin today's show, I want to remind you that once you've had a chance to check out our program, make sure you give our podcast a five-star rating and follow us wherever you get your podcast. That helps you stay up to date on all the latest content from us, and it helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. On the phone with us today is Mitch Litz, Director of Grounds and Environmental Management at Maryland Soccerplex. Mitch, welcome to the program. Good morning, Marcus. Now, today's show we're going to be talking about field maintenance for our grassroots and our travel clubs. Uh, most of our uh, membership here in West Virginia is grassroots, so we get a lot of uh, clubs that have fields that are obviously maintained by volunteers and not paid staff. So we wanted to talk to Mitch, who uh, you know deals with a large complex, and be able to pick his brain and, and find some ideas and some tips and tricks of the trade uh, to help out our grassroots club, as well as our travel clubs as well. Uh, before we dive into today's subject, Mitch, why don't you go ahead and just give us a brief history about your qualifications and expertise? Absolutely. So I graduated from the Ohio State University with a bachelor's in agriculture, but I specialize in turf grass science. And while I was in college and after college, I worked for the Columbus Crew, now Crew SC, which I'm sure you know is an MLS franchise. Yep. So I started part-time and then worked my, worked my way into a full-time position as assistant manager at the stadium for the crew. Uh, and also, when I, was in, when I was in college, I interned at the Longwood Cricket Club, which is a tennis facility in the Boston area with 44 tennis courts, 24 of which were grass. Wow. Quite, quite a place, really just tucked in. But in 2015... I accepted the position of manager of grounds for the Maryland Soccerplex. Then in August of 2019, I accepted the position of director of grounds for the Maryland Soccerplex. So in total, I have roughly 15 years of experience working in the turf grass industry. That's great. Um, you know, here in West Virginia, um, like I mentioned, obviously most of our membership is dealing with volunteers that take care of their facilities and the fields that they use. Some of it is private land. Some of it is using land at a school or uh, a public park or things along that lines. Um, with, with us using volunteers, keeping up the, the field space, what should be the overall main goal that these volunteers and those in, in, in management positions within the club uh, should be thinking about when caring for their fields? Okay, so, so before I dive into that question, let me, let me preface this entire conversation by saying that there are two distinct classifi classifications of grass, warm and cool season. Typically, we see cool season grasses in the northern half of the United States and warm season grasses in the southern half, relatively speaking. We happen to live in what is called the transition zone, an area of the United States where we have the ability to grow both warm and varieties of grass to varying degrees of success. For our conversation today, I will assume cool season varieties are the main grasses used in West Virginia athletic fields. Mm -hmm. So what should be the main goal for folks caring for fields? First, we need to identify your grass and soil type. What you physically have to work with will drive your maintenance strategy. For example, 
A cool season grass growing in a clay soil will have the advantages of more natural nutrient availability and better water retention for those droughty stretches. A cool season grass will be able to withstand prolonged cold stretches better than a warm season variety. The converse is that clay soils take longer to dry, so immediate field playability may be an issue after a rainstorm. Cool season grasses will also struggle in the hot summer months. Now, with limited time and resources, focus your maintenance on the areas that take the most wear, that is, areas that get the most play. Some areas that should jump out at you are goal areas, referee runs, bench areas. And in, in my years at the Soccerplex, you notice pretty quick that teams also tend to warm up exclusively right in front of their bench areas. So that's going to be a big one on the sideline, too. On a larger scale, if you can imagine connecting the legs of your 18-yard boxes from one side of the field to another, the majority of play will fall into this third of the field. So basically a narrow band running long ways down the center. It's... Um... It's it's amazing. Uh, uh, just I, I like I, I'm 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 honestly I'll tell you I'm a field geek and I like I like you know I I, I love I like field when, geek. <laughs> yeah well you know it, it, I like when when complexes you know such as yours and stuff and you guys get new equipment and you know and you post pictures on Instagram and stuff and you put it oh, yeah. you know okay you know, yeah you know it, it's it's real neat to watch how how the science has come along and and how the equipment has come along over the years and and it's really nice and then you, and then you get some of these clubs um, that'll get people that are uh, turf geeks and and they you know they want to replicate a lot of that stuff and they take real good care of their of their fields and you know you get all those problem spots just like you mentioned and, oh, yeah. and and trying to you know make sure that uh, you know you kind of stay away from things and you have to make sometimes some hard decisions on playing on the fields or not and you know we we upset some people when sometimes we have to close the fields but you know we do it for the overall success of the field and success of the club and success right. of the community that's um, life you're, you're never going to please everybody but Again, protecting a field is also protecting players because once that field starts to deteriorate, that's when you're going to start seeing unsure footing, lower lower joint injuries, knees, ankles. We got we have to protect people from themselves sometimes. Yep, I agree. Now, with Maryland and West Virginia being neighbors, we share a lot of the same weather conditions, as you talked about the transitional uh, uh, zone that we're in. Um, what should clubs be doing right now to prepare their fields for the winter season? And obviously, keep in mind that uh, our clubs have probably a zero budget. Okay. So for me, this is a loaded question. <laughs> because if one thing I've learned about weather, it can be very local, a very localized phenomenon. Yep. Maybe temperatures will be similar for parts of the year, but topography is a great influencer of the weather patterns we receive, as well as distance to large bodies of water like the ocean or Great Lakes. This is also the perfect time to say, pay attention to the weather. Now more than ever, we have access to on-demand weather information straight from our phones. Forecasts always change. But having an idea of potential weather implications is better than waking up on a game day and saying, I had no idea it was going to rain, snow, or frost. Now that I've stepped off my soapbox, <laughs> what we can do right now is identify those heavily used areas of your field, especially where there is thin or no grass coverage, and decompacting those areas would be where I would focus my attention. 
Decompaction would be adding air spaces back into the soil profile so grassroots have easier access to air, water, and nutrients. We utilize machines called airifiers to manage our decompaction, but a motivated group of people with hand tools, like a pitchfork, could achieve relatively the same results simply by stabbing the ground in the thin areas. A small homeowner-grade air fire may also be available from a hardware store or lawn and garden center that rents equipment. If resources permit, it is also generally agreed that a late fall fertilization of nitrogen pays dividends in the fall as well as the next spring. But I don't know if West Virginia has fertilizer laws similar to Maryland, which are, they tend to be fairly strict and prohibitive. It's, um, yeah, the, the aeration uh, of the field, certainly, I agree with you on that, is, is, is so important, especially in those thin and, and, uh, and bare spot areas. Um, you know, once we get through the winter season, um, uh, when should clubs be looking to prepare their fields for the spring season? Truthfully, you can work on fields at any point seasonally, as long as you're mindful of what the surface is telling you. And, and that I mean, you don't want to you don't want to be working on a waterlogged surface, and you don't want to be working on a a frosty or frozen surface while the grass is still growing. So the weather really dictates when the grass will start growing as the plant has minimum requirements for sunlight and temperature. But generally, once soil temperatures are consistently above 50 degrees, the grass will be actively growing. And a, a soil thermometer, you, you don't you don't even have to be you don't have to get a specialized piece of equipment. You can literally use anything any kind of cooking thermometer that's zero to 150 like a like a baking thermometer to just give you some idea of what the soil temperature is mm -hmm. and once we hit 50 in the soil it's at that point that the the grass is going to be actively growing so fertilizer would actually benefit the plant and grass seed actually has the potential to germinate and fill in those those wear spots that we're talking about that's a great idea on the uh, thermometer aspect i never even would have thought of that can you uh, walk us through some more practical steps or tips of what should be done before the spring season? Sure. To, to me, you need to create a season-long plan that is achievable and realistic with the resources at hand. And as far as maintenance goes, consistency is key. We can't just mow, aerify, and fertilize when it's convenient. A season-long plan should space out these cultural practices on even intervals so we're consistently giving our grass plants the best chance to survive the beating that they will inevitably take. Mowing particularly, we have to try our best to mow consistently so that we aren't removing large sections of the grass plant at any given time. The green surface of a blade of grass is a section of the plant that converts sunlight to energy. So. The old rule of thumb when mowing is to never remove more than one-third of the leaf blade at any given time. And April should be a targeted time to fertilize and seed if resources allow. See, I did not know that about the about the grass blade. That's a great tip. Um, oh yeah, and it, it's a, that's an easy one. And that's I've heard that I've heard that since I started. Great. Keep it simple. Yeah, keep it. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are some, I'm, I'm sure that's probably leading up to my next question, a mistake that, that folks make, but what are some other mistakes that we make as uh, caretakers of the fields? 
let's start with re-entering a field before it has sufficiently dried at the surface. Water tends to act as a lubricant in a negative way in clay soils. And that, again, I'm assuming you guys are mostly dealing with clay soils just like we are. So that they have benefits, but they're definitely tricky when it comes to moisture because clay soils are characterized by many fine particles packed tightly together. Introducing water to those particles allows them to pack tighter and move more freely. Think about stepping in a, in a muddy puddle. Excuse me. As clay is packed tighter under foot or vehicle traffic, natural drainage is drastically reduced and the clay has the potential to bury the grass. Even something as innocent as mowing when a field is too wet can leave wheel ruts running the length of a field, creating a dangerously uneven surface with even worse drainage. Next, let's talk about changing the cultural practices during the summertime. The summer is typically the most challenging time for cool season grasses because of high temperatures and an overabundance of solar radiation. Water will also be at a premium during this time because the plant physically requires more to cool itself, just, just like we do when we sweat. The summer is, one time, is the one time of year to back off maintenance. Mow less frequently, increase your mowing height, be cognizant of localized dry spots, avoid fertilizing or fertilize with, a, with an organic product with a low amount of nitrogen. You know, um, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've heard that in regards to summer of allowing it to, you know, to kind of mature a little bit more and less maintenance on it, less, um, uh, stress on, on the field and, um, that kind of thing. I think that's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful tip. Um, and and that's, that's just the growth habit of a cool season grass. You can think about it as almost an M in the, almost the shape of an M where in the springtime, that's when you're going to get a lot of shoot growth. So a lot of vertical growth from your grass. And then as the summer hits, it's going to dip back down. And then once the fall hits, you're getting good weather again. So the shoot growth is going to go right back up. And I think you also bring up a great point in regards to the to the uh, consistent mowing schedule. Um, I've seen a lot of instances uh, where it goes a little bit too long between mowings, and then you've got a lot of grass clippings on the field. And then, unfortunately, sometimes you know you don't have a, a clip uh, a grass clippings remover to go get all the stuff, and um, and we kind of get ourselves a little bit in trouble uh, going that route. Well, and, and unless you're using a massive mower, the mower is going to struggle. So you may not even be cutting all the grass. So then you're just going to have an even more a more uneven surface because you you ask the mower to do something that it's not built to do. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, can you give us any more tips or tricks of the trade that you've learned over your years? More than I can count. <laughs> <laughs> big one for us, routinely shift your painted lines to move around your troublesome wear areas. We typically are on a station to shift fields, and it's as simple as a goal line is your x-axis and your sideline is your y-axis. Just, just, move, just move them on that axis. I mean, you, use the space you have. If, if you can move it 10 feet to the east, go 10 feet to the east. That's going to put Ref runs in a new spot, bench areas in a new spot, goal areas in a new spot. That's, and that's, that's an easy way to promote recovery without actually having to do anything else because you're giving those high wear areas a break. And I, I would also say, back to the mowing, keep your mower blades 
sharp. Think of the difference between a surgeon using a scalpel and a butter knife. <laughs> now, I'm not saying your blades need to be so sharp that you could perform surgery, but refining the cutting edge of a blade every couple of weeks will really benefit the grass. A sharp piece of metal spinning at thousands of revolutions per minute has the potential to make many clean cuts that the plant can heal quickly. A dull piece of metal has the potential to inflict many punishing blows and jagged cuts, which are much more difficult to recover from. And the honestly, the cost of getting that blade sharpened is is not great. I I mean, I've never had a I had to go get a blade. I mean, I had main. I used to manage a a facility where where I did the field maintenance. It was just me, yep. um, and you know, I had a company that that I worked with um, that used to come out and take care of that for me, and they do it. Uh, they did it just because you know it was a it was a community kind of thing, and you know they do it. But they come out and sharpen it for us and stuff. And um, I, I wouldn't think the cost would be. I never saw the bill, but I, I wouldn't think the cost would be that dramatic to do that. And I think the benefits so, outweigh the cost. And and if I mean if you're going to pay for somebody else to do it, you could buy yourself just a standard file set, take the blade off, and like I said, we're not we're not ta we're not talking a surgical edge. You're just trying to, to take that, we'll say, the, the edge kind of rounds as, as it wears down from cutting. So you could just take a file, follow the natural angle that's already put into the blade from the factory, and you could do it yourself. It's, I mean, it, it, it doesn't take much confidence, I don't think. It's not like sharpening a knife. And I'm sure, there, and I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there, too. Uh, I would think there's probably thousands of them. <laughs> Good video for everything. Absolutely. Now, Mitch, before we wrap things up here on the podcast, if you could, in your years of expertise and uh, work that you've done, if you could provide just one piece of advice to our people, our membership here in West Virginia that keep our fields in the condition that they are, what would that one piece of advice be? This is something that I have to constantly remind myself to do. Be patient. Field maintenance is seldom an instantly gratifying endeavor. Results from the work we do today may not be obvious for weeks or, in the instance of late fall maintenance, for months. Unless you're, unless you're so dedicated and have the resources that you can completely resod a field, there's really there's not many things that just happen overnight when it comes to a living organism like a field of grass. That's true. True. Great piece of advice. Hey, Mitch, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. This is sort of a new topic that we're kind of delving into here on our podcast. Uh, you know, we try to provide our, our membership with some value as far as, um, you know, injury prevention and uh, nutrition, hydration, uh, things along that lines. But I think field maintenance uh, is something extremely important that we're going to dive into uh, more as, uh, as uh, episodes go on. So I certainly appreciate you coming on the show today and uh, lending your expertise. Appreciate it. I, I appreciate that, you've, that you want to inform people about what we do. And it's, I'll say it over and over and over again, a good-looking, healthy grass field it's not just an aesthetics thing. It helps protect the athlete. And I'm a, I'm a natural grass guy, so the more natural grass fields we have in great condition, the more athletes will benefit from that. I agree. 
Thank you so much, Mitch. I appreciate it. Thank you, Marcus. Have a good day. And thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast here on the West Virginia Soccer Association Digital Network. Now that you've heard our show, make sure you give our podcast a five-star rating and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode, so we hope to see you next week. Take care.